0: Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who is the fairest of them all? We remember the wicked stepmother's rage when she discovers it is not her. As well as the more obvious sins that we've covered over the last little while, that children's story illustrates the more subtle sins that often go together. And so we've talked about pride. And always know what it looks like, but we've come to realize and we've come to see it within ourselves. We looked at the sin of anger, which is so destructive in nature. We've looked at um, disillusionment. Christa preached on how the gospel frees us from these things. And so this morning we want to carry on with the story of our lives, because this is the story of all of our lives. We, from time to time, struggle. with pride. From time to time we struggle with anger. Discouragement is a natural part of our lives which can oftentimes put shadows over our hearts when we don't deal with it very well. But this morning I would like to speak about the mirror that reveals something to us when we look into it and we see ourselves and we realize that we are not the fairest of them all, and you know the story. How jealousy started just to well up within the heart of the wicked stepmother and the rage that came out of her life that just turned the world almost upside down. And so this morning we want to look at the sin of jealousy and envy and. Um, uh, We're looking at both of them because they are twins. And you'll find out that where the one is, the other one is, too. And uh, you'll see that the one incites the other. And so we would look at this sin that is prevalent within our lives, and we would start to recognize it. When we look into the mirror of God's Word, we actually see how destructive it is. You see, pride is the most terrible evil. And we saw that the first week. Anger, the most destructive. And we've seen how our lives have been affected by uncontrolled, sinful anger. And today, we'll look the twins of envy and jealousy. Now, this is what the scripture says in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 4 Anger is cruel and fury overwhelming, but who can stand before jealousy? And then, James chapter 3. Verses 14:15 and 16 says, "But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from heaven, but it's earthly and spiritual, it's earthly and spiritual and demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Other translations say it is demonic. And so it is very good to understand what God thinks about jealousy and envy. When you ask the outside world what they think about these qualities, they'll champion them as being positive. When we look at what God's word says about it, God judges these qualities within our lives so that he can burn them out of our lives so that we can live lives in love with one another. And again I say, all of us as Christians, all of us as people find these qualities within our lives now and again and we need to check ourselves. And so this series has been a series where God's been doing some work within our hearts, and um, I feel a little bit more confident about my faith in God, because God's been doing the deep work within my heart, and he's been cleaning some stuff out, and some stuff that I really wanted didn't want to confront, um, by myself, I've had to look at it in the word of God. And the word of God is wonderful because it's like a mirror that you look at. And when you look at the mirror of God's word, there is a grace that flows just to clean us out of it. So don't run away from envy. Don't run away from pride. Don't run away from anger. Face it. Where jealousy is, face it. And it's amazing, it's the first step for God to come and just to deal with, with that within our lives. An old proverb referring to a jealous or an envious person as someone who is green with envy. But it goes on and it says this person is ripe for trouble. And have you heard that expression? You, that person is green, or I'm green with envy but we very seldomly quote the last part of it. When that envy enters into our hearts, the Bible says we are ripe for trouble. We open up a door for the enemy to come in, and the enemy does. And sometimes over a period of years, when we look back, we see that it's almost like a spider web that the enemy have um, just webbed us in. And it's constrained and constricted who we have become. And it's a wonderful thing when God comes and he just cuts the strings of that web off around our hearts. And there is really a sense of freedom that comes in. My friends, honestly, And it's no manipulative strategy from my side this morning. But as I've been looking at these things, I've found such a liberty within my own heart and life. It truly changes us as Christians when we look at the word of God in this way. And so I want to encourage you to continue just as we look at envy and jealousy. And it's something that is so prevalent within the society that we live in. You know, when you look at um, the society of Zook, Lucerne, Zurich, if you look at the context even of our church, you'll find that at times we are envious of what other people have, we're envious of how other people look. That's why the cosmetic surgeons make a bunch of money just through the wholesome of envy and also jealousness because we don't feel we're good enough when we look at others. We feel like if that person has a holiday there, we also have to have a holiday in that place and maybe just, you know, a better one. It's where we live as a people. Some of my friends over the years have looked at one another and then they have two children and they say, now let's have three. I haven't quite fallen for that one. But there is something within our hearts that when we look at others, that if we don't check what is within us, we want what they have or we even want something better than they have. You've heard the expression, and I'm sorry if your surname is Jones. (laughs) We want to keep up with the Joneses. And that has everything to do with envy and with jealousy. Jonathan Edwards says it is the spirit of dissatisfaction or opposition to the prosperity or happiness of other people. And so when you look at that, you'll find out that it is something which is inherent within our nature. The Greek word for envy is a very interesting word. It is a word which means to boil. Within. The picture in your mind is one of a seething, boiling jealousy growing within the heart of man. Paul wrote a letter to the church at Corinth about this. Corinth was a church that was big on community like Lyft, Corinth was a church where there was a lot of serving going on, like at Lyft, and yet he looked at that church and he said, you are worldly, you are carnal, and one of the problems that he was dealing with here is the problem of jealousy, because like them and like us here in Zuc, Corinth was a very wealthy place, and so they were trying to keep up with the Joneses as well. So Paul writes very, very strongly to them, and the grace of God is shared with them through the gospel, so that those things that were within their hearts could be loosened, and so that God could deal with them. You would say to me, "Well, what is the difference between envy and jealousy? Like I said to you, they like twins. They are very similar. And yet there is still a subtle difference between the two. Envy is desiring something that someone else has. Jealousy is not wanting someone else to have what you have. Envy says, I want what you've got. Jealousy says, don't touch what I've got. Envy is marked by covetousness. Jealousy is marked by possessiveness. Envy makes you resentful. Jealousy makes you territorial. Envy is when I want to play guitar just as good as you. I can use that illustration because I don't know how to play the guitar. Jealousy jealousy is when I don't want you to play the guitar as good as me. Envy is when you wish you had a wife like mine. Jealousy is when you don't want anyone messing with your wife. As such, jealousy is a very, very powerful weapon. And just in my experience over the years with myself, but also working with people, jealousy is, 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 is a sin which you don't always recognize until it starts to mature and you see The effect of it and the results of it. Jealousy doesn't only affect you and I. But it actually starts to affect others too. I've seen many a husband that is so jealous, and I use the word so jealous over his wife, that she doesn't have space to breathe. And she doesn't flourish and she doesn't blossom. Because the husband is insecure. We've got to deal with that because we want our wives to really flourish. We want our wives to grow. However, when you look at scripture, you'll also see that um, jealousy, there is a positive side to it. And you'd say, but I've never seen jealousy in this way. And it, and it is true, because one of the names that is given to God in the Old Testament is jealous. And um, that means that God is so jealous over us that he wants us, he wants us to worship him and him alone. And God is very jealous when we start to worship other idols. So we know that, that God can handle that type of jealousy, I submit to you that you and I can't. If someone is becoming too friendly with my wife, someone of the opposite sex, or these days even of the same sex, then there is a godly jealousy that God places within a spouse's life to protect their spouse. So that's positive but I want you to be very careful with that because oftentimes it's out of a sense of insecurity and we see danger where there is no danger. So I just want to add that caution to it. So when we look at jealousy, we see that the Bible has a lot to say about jealousy and envy. The Bible says that it causes physical illness. Psalm 14 verse 30 says, A tranquil spirit revives the body, but envy is rottenness to the bones. It inflicts harm on others. Wrath is cruel and anger is overwhelming, but who can stand before jealousy? We read that scripture already. Jealousy and envy is unspiritual. Unspiritual. For you are still influenced by the flesh, Paul says. For since there is still jealousy and dissension among you, are you not influenced by the flesh and behaving like unregenerate people? Jealousy and envy. It's part of the fruit of the flesh. Galatians chapter five says, now the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, depravity, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish rivalry, dissension factors, envying, murder, drunkenness, carousing, and similar things. I'm warning you against it as I have warned you before. Those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom. Of God, And then, of course, jealousy and envy, it is demonic. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambitions in your heart, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly and spiritual and demonic. Within a community that we live in, the question is this. When you recognize it of yourself, how do we deal with it? I've taken some time to define these things, but you know what? You and I know when those things start to rise up within us. I know when I start to become jealous of what other people have or what someone else attains. I know when it rises up within me. And the first step to overcome this within our hearts is to recognize it and to say, how. Do I actually deal with it? You see, as a sportsman of many, many years ago, there is a real sense of competitiveness within me. Jenny and I, when we play table tennis against each other, and she's a good table tennis player, I was going to say very good, but my competitive nature within me would not acknowledge that. She holds and says that the last time we played, she beat me, but that was so long ago, I can't remember that. But you see, that's the type of thing. When we're competitive, we are candidates for jealousy and envy. That competitive spirit is a foundation for sports people to mature into something that later on we don't want to be. Now, we've got to be competitive. I'm reading the book by Nadal, um, the famous Spanish tennis player, and he says that when he plays golf with his mates, He says, from hole number one, he doesn't speak to his friends. When their friends play a good shot, he will not compliment them. He says he's a terrible loser. And he says, after the 18th hole, he will say, if he's lost or won, they will walk off and only then will he start speaking to them and only then will he congratulate them. Now, he's a fierce competitor, And those of us who are like him have to be very, very careful that it doesn't spill over in creating a personality and a nature within us that is destructive to others. Would you agree? And it's the same way in business. I have seen people in business jostling for positions and that competitiveness eventually spills over in jealousy and envy when someone else up is promoted and you're not promoted and there's that sense of wanting to achieve it can start to influence your character and nature and it is so destructive at the end of the day when you get home you lie in your bed and you look at your own lives and you say wow I mean, within the teenage years of our children, and it's starting way younger than when some of us as adults were there, if a young lady or a young man achieves higher honors than the other, there is a sense of jealousy that arises within our hearts even at that age. When it comes to the looks of another person, even in those ages, we know that there's a huge sense of comparison that comes up and the curse of envy and jealousy often starts with comparisons. And Paul in 1 Corinthians, now in 2 Corinthians, says that comparison is sin because it opens the gate for pride, for envy, for jealousy, for all of those things to arise. I say proudly that I am so content with the spouse that God has given to me. The way Jeannie is, who she is becoming in God, is what I love. I don't need Jeannie to change. And I think we need to say that to our wives, men. You've got to remember that your wife gets together with other wives on a regular basis. Within the community that we live where there's a lot of money, there is comparisons that go on. And oftentimes when we live in community, we've got to be very careful about the decisions we make and how we portray ourselves. I've seen it with young, impressionable, and even older men and women, we've got to be very, very careful of this thing called comparison. Sorry, I forgot to close that door at the top there so the noise will come in. It won't happen again next week. But these are important matters that we need. This is where we live. Parents the way that you portray yourself in the whole area of competitiveness or comparison, that curse is easily transferred to your young sons and to your young daughters. The example that we set within the home, the example that we set here within the church has effects On people. When we understand it and when we acknowledge it, that is when there's a change that will take place within our hearts. I like nice clothes. And so when I was in Portugal, my sister said to me, Piet, I know you like nice clothes for your birthday, let's go out and let's go and buy a shirt for you or shoes or whatever you are. And so she bought me this shirt. Don't you think it's a nice shirt? I'm wearing it today. Now, I really like to look good. And I like to wear good clothing. And I have to be very careful what my motive is when it comes to that. Contrary to Jenny, even though she and others um, run Love on a Hanger here, I would love to run a shop called Love on a Hanger for Men because I like shopping much more than Jenny. And and, and so that's part of my bent within my nature, which I think is in the right direction. But I've got to look at myself. You see, it's no good looking at the person across the room and say, yeah, they need to hear this message. I know what we like, because that's the first step in excusing ourselves. I need to hear this message because of who I am. I'm not there yet. I'm not the finished article. There's envy that rises up within my heart. And there's jealousy that sometimes sits there. And I've got to deal with that. And I'm so glad that God offers help when it comes to it. I can use 20 illustrators. Someone said to me the other day, they said, you're becoming quite vulnerable when you're preaching. It must be with old age that it comes. But my friends, I think it is so important that you and I can look each other in the eyes and say, you know what, I'm not the finished article. God's dealing with me, he's changing me. And that's to his glory. Now the question is, how do we deal with jealousy, when you recognize it within yourself. Psalm 37, would you turn to that passage, please? I'm going to look at three truths here. Psalm 37, and let's read from verses 1 to 7. Do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong for like the grass they will soon wither, like green plants they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Just read up to that. And in this passage, clearly David was a victim of Saul's jealousy. And so David can speak about the effects of jealousy and envy within his life when he was on the receiving end of it. And we know that when David accomplished amazing things, you see, then this is the problem, Saul set David up for amazing things. And when he started to accomplish it, jealousy... And envy started to rise up within King Saul's heart and he tried to kill him. That is how destructive jealousy is. My friends, de- jealousy will, will will destroy people's personality when they encounter it. That's how powerful jealousy is. And again, husbands, wives, make sure that we deal with it so that our wives and so that our husbands can thrive within the Lord. And so we see here that David speaks about it because he has first-hand experience with it on the one hand. And then also, of course, he became envious and jealous over another man's wife. He committed adultery and murder because of these things. And so we realize the seriousness of it. And so he writes and he tells us how we can overcome the sin which is so destructive. I've just penned three thoughts here. Number one, you need to acknowledge if you're battling with this sin that other people's wealth or desirables will pass away. So don't fixate on it. How silly you and I are. And many of you know that I enjoy a nice car. I remember when I came to Switzerland, I had to sit down just before the Lord and say, Lord, I give up that desire to drive a car that I would like to one day. I had to come before the Lord and lay that before. It's not sinful driving a nice car, is it? Otherwise, all of us here would be sinning, or most of us. But that was really something that I loved. Jenny would tell you, I love class. But I had to put it on the sacrifice, on the burner, and say, you know, Lord, would you deal with that desire with him my heart, which he did. And it's amazing when we understand that other people's wealth or their desires will pass away, and we need to fixate on what God has placed before us. Why allow something which is temporal to control your desires? We're so silly. God has made us eternal human beings. We're going to live forever and forever. Why allow something that is temporal to limit us? And so don't fret because of those who are evil or envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon pass away. But the problem here is, my friends, with our eyes, we fixate on things that God may not have for you. May not have for me. And the more we fixate on it, the more, That desire grows. And what we need to do, secondly, is to look upwards towards God and not sideways towards others. That's the only way God is going to help you to deal with the sin. Look upwards towards God and not sideways towards others. I know it's hard, but when we start to gaze on His beauty, all other beautiful things pale in insignificance. Trust me. I had an interesting experience when I went to Portugal. And uh, what we want to do is, wanna, we want to bring some of our money from South Africa over here because our money in South Africa is devaluing by the day. And others have told me, you should have brought it over seven years ago. And so we wanted to do that. And um, so I've been looking at what do you do? do you, you can't put it in the banks here. You know, no interest really on it. Can you put it in a property? You can't do it in Switzerland uh, for most of the people in Switzerland, even Swiss people. So those are not options for most of us. And so we went to Portugal where things look um, a little bit less expensive, and my sister and brother-in-law took me around, and uh, Jen and I had spoken about it, and we just drove to certain places, and there was a really, really nice place. In a place called Sintra, right on the beach, and I saw the picture of it, and they said, come, let's take you. And um, It was a penthouse overlooking the beach, an apartment, third floor, and we got there and walked around, and of course, the photos didn't quite do it justice, but as I walked around in that area just to look at it, and my sister said, come, let's look there. We can go over there and come and look. I felt the Holy Spirit of God just check my heart straight away there, and I just looked at my sister, and I said to her, you know what, Liz? let's just stop here. I said, I'm running way ahead of God. This is not his purpose for me. You see, I've become fixated on certain things. And so my desires started to grow within me. And they're good things because I want to be responsible with the money that God gave me. It's not an evil thing. But my friends, we've got to make sure that our desires are linked to God's purposes within our lives. If you agree with me, can you say amen to that? And I found out that even though I would love to stay at the beach again one day, even though I would love to stay in a pent-out apartment, do you know what? As I looked over it, as I looked at that beautiful beach, I had a lovely sunny day, my desire just dropped to the ground and I found no joy even standing there. So contrary to what I thought I wanted. But when you align your desires with the purposes of God, my friends, it is amazing how this covetousness, almost this sense of jealousy, I don't even know if there was any jealousy within me. But if there was, the Holy Spirit came and it just burned that thing out of me. And do you know what? I feel different within my own life. Again, a personal testimony. My friends, look upward towards God and not sideways towards others. Verse 3 says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. I know that God has placed us here in Zook. This is the land that God wants us to dwell in. And here we enjoy the safe pasture. Pasture. My friends, when God puts you in a place of safe pasture, be very careful when you desire another pasture. And that refers to so many things within our lives. My friends, the wife that God has given you is safe pasture, even though sometimes the seas are a bit stormy. It is safe pasture. Young people, it is safe pasture to be in the family that God has put you in. It is safe pasture to honor the values of your Christian family. It is safe pasture. Don't look for other pasture. Test me in this. Ask me in a few weeks, Piet, is it still well with your soul? I promise you, if I continue to look upwards towards God and not sideways towards others, there will be that peace that you and I need. Remember, comparison is a curse. And then lastly, God knows what is good for you now. And will provide what you need later on. Verses 4 and 6 of Psalm 37 says, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Isn't that beautiful? In the context of what we're talking about, take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do it. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn. Your vindication like the noonday sun. My friends, God knows what is good for you. He knows what is bad for you. And God will provide for you what you need later on. Where does your trust lie in him? God is able to look after you God is able to satisfy your desires with good things. Godliness and contentment is great gain. So let's be godly by acknowledging what Psalm 37 says of us. Would you stand please? Worship team, would you please come? You know, and I know chemo we looked at in Christ alone, but that other song worked so well that we repeatedly said, and I think that God is busy just undoing things within our hearts so that our lives can be a life of worship and a life of service to Him. Would you just pray with me for a moment just before we sing together. Why don't you allow the Holy Spirit to take the word of God and just to unearth those things that you thought you wanted like me. And the Holy Spirit will come because he knows that your desires are good. But sometimes when we fixate on things that are not good, certain things grow around them and he wants to come and he wants to unearth those desires this morning and for your true desire which he's placed within you just arise, just let the Holy Spirit do that now would you come Holy Spirit and would you take the beauty of the gospel that we've seen in Psalm 36 And would you just come now and would you work within our hearts further just as we sing.